Welcome to the AWS Rethink Podcast, here to help you rethink your strategy in the cloud. I'm your host, Nolan Chen, and today we are here to learn about containers in the cloud. And I'm your host, Malini Chatterjee. Today our guests are Jamal Arif and Nikita Patil. They are both awesome solution architects who specialize in containers technical field community to help customers modernize their cloud architectures. So welcome Jamal and Nikita. Uh, Before we dive into containers, can you first tell us what your role is as part of our AWS technical field community? Yep, thank you, Nolan. And first of all, great to be here and thanks for hosting us in your podcast. So. As part of the technical field community of containers, uh, one of our roles is just the help uh, the journalist essays in the field in different segments on specialist areas where the conversation with customers is more focused towards containers. And that can span multiple container technologies as we will talk uh, through today as well. So it can talk about, you know, more specifically on the Elastic Container Service, ECS, or a uh, few of our customers who are really diving deep and want to talk more on Kubernetes, uh, we sometimes get also involved in uh, those discussions as well. In addition to uh, that, we also uh, frequently kind of help in a thought leadership content. So creating blogs, uh, looking at the latest trends in the technology and how they can be utilized using AWS services. Uh, or helping out in workshops and building those workshops to really focus on customers and helping them drive uh, their modernization journey with containers. Nikita, if you want to feel free to add. Yes, sir. Uh, Thanks, Jamal. And thanks, Nolan and Malini, for uh, having me here. And uh, uh, to add to whatever Jamal said, so as part of the uh, Containers TFC, um, one of our main goals is to help our customers adopt containerization, adopt modernization of their applications on the AWS uh, platform. So we drive a lot of our uh, product product feature growth as well. And uh, we also serve as a liaison between different uh, product teams and service teams and our customers. Well, as a generalist myself, I definitely appreciate you on the technical field community out there supporting me. So I'm going to start with a real general question. What is a container? So, Nolan, if you, uh, I'll actually take a step back and if you look at the container technology in general, you'll see a bunch of different definitions out there defining what is a container. Maybe it's driven from somebody who is its own product in the market or somebody who is a developer or somebody who is an operator and uh, maintainer of that product. Uh, it, It differs. So I'll actually just go to the core aspect of it. Like, when you say what is a container, containers are just a package of software that contain all of the necessary elements that you would run, that you would want to run your application in any environment. What they actually are providing you is a standard way where you can package everything your application needs. So your application's code, uh, your configurations, your dependencies, all of them into a single object. Sometimes in the container format, we call it as a container image and then run it on 
any environment of your choice. Any environment? Yeah. Can you elaborate on that? That's, that's actually the key aspect of a container, right? Uh, where you would want a developer to run an application and want it to behave similarly across different environments, meaning it runs on my laptop or on a developer's laptop, it should run the same way into a staging environment, uh, into a test environment or a dev environment. And then similarly, when they move from there into a production environment, it should behave the same way that it, it used to do on a developer's laptop. Yeah, so, I mean, before containers and computing, I, I used to think, or I think we most of us thought of containers as those really large boxes you put on a ship, but then when it docks in the port, you can take that box and then just load it onto a truck and it fits perfectly. Is that kind of the analogy where you can just take the application and take it in one server and then move it to another? Exactly. That's where the analogy came from, where the idea is exactly what you mentioned, that it should be, it should behave the same way when you are moving across different environments. Uh, and this is, this has been one of the very key problems as developers uh, and the operational teams figured out a way to how do we make sure that whatever developer is providing us uh, in the form of an application code, we run it in the same way and it behaves the same way. And is, is it expected to, from multiple environments, again, jumping from your developer to a staging, to a prod, and then into a, uh, like from a dev into a prod, it behaves the same way. So the analogy, what you described is exactly the same, yes. I'm not afraid to admit that I, I started my career way back in the 1990s. And one of my first jobs was testing mainframe software. But then a new paradigm called client ser server computing became popular where just about every office had at least one Windows server. Then in the early 2000s, VMware and virtual machines became a real game changer because it allowed us to run multiple machines at once, not just on a single backend server, but on, even on our laptops. Can you talk about now about how containers, uh, if or how they continue this evolution of computing? Yeah, uh, I think that's a, that's a very good relatable question because when I started my career as, uh, as well, uh, we used to work on those mainframe or physical servers we used to call them. And one of the major problems when you used those were there wasn't an easy way to define resource boundaries for your applications within that physical server that you had. And this caused resource allocation issues. It's all, it also wasn't efficient, right? Because now you might be running one application on a physical server and it, and it is not fully utilizing that server and the resources are underutilized. And every time you are thinking about uh, scaling the application up or you would just need to first figure out how do I procure my hardware equipment? Uh, it just makes everything so expensive for the organizations which are maintaining those. So as you mentioned, the first immediate step was to bring in virtualization at the hardware layer. So now you have the same physical server where you, with the use of technologies like hypervisors, you are able to run multiple virtual machines on top of a single physical server giving you that additional ability to have multiple different apps or different version of apps running on the same uh, physical server and increasing your utilization. And, and uh, to add to what Jamal said, um, 
in my opinion containers have been the catalyst in uh, driving modern cloud native applications in leveraging leveraging the benefits we get from uh, cloud uh, because uh, containers um, uh, because they are so portable and immutable um, they have re um, they have really um, revolutionized the uh, time to market for new applications uh, new versions so um, our customers are our customers are releasing updates much quicker they are releasing new features um, much quicker and uh, and containers uh, containers go hand in hand with uh, microservices and the whole philosophy of microservices is that um, uh, your uh, your application is divided into different components and each component just one is focused on doing just uh, one one job um, and uh, containers are a way to uh, achieve that thanks nitita now let me understand a little bit more you mentioned why exactly should i use containers yes so main benefits of containers according to me are their uh, speed their portability and uh, immutability so let's go with uh, speed uh, one they are they are quite lightweight and hence can be created within uh, seconds even and the reason they are so uh, lightweight is that they share the underlying os so unlike a virtual machine which has a whole like hypervisor and uh, it's it's a bit more uh, clunky uh, containers because they share that underlying os you can spin up a container uh, quite fast and um, because their uh, their application and the dependencies are packaged together containers are quite uh, portable so um, a container that can uh, that can run in a staging environment can run Uh, can run in the same way in a production environment as well so there is really not there is really not a need for any configuration management you know uh, things like okay we need to maintain the same uh, for example like node js version between our different environments containers really eliminate the need for that massive uh, configuration management overhead we need, we have and uh, the third is uh, immutability right now uh, modern cloud applications the way um, the way we deploy new services is uh, new features is uh, uh, is that you don't really do any you don't really make any changes uh, in place uh, we have we have a much more modular way of deploying using either blue green or canary etc and the reason for this is that again because containers are so lightweight and they are uh, they are so modular it makes sense uh, it makes sense to uh, roll new roll out new versions um, and just point uh, and point to that new version instead of making change in place so this also uh, gives you a much more modular and faster way of uh, faster way of deployment uh, and uh, because because they require less system resources than the traditional uh, virtual machine environment um they also lead to better utilization of the underlying infrastructure well i think you explain some benefits of containers if you're looking to say design a new workload but what if i let's just say for example i have a th- traditional three tier application with load balancer a linux server and a relational database in the back end what kind of questions should i be asking if i want to consider you know trying to refactor or transition that to using containers instead of virtual machines 
uh, when when you mention uh, a three tier application with like a database and uh, and a front end layer uh, layer right um the uh, the first point here would be to uh, divide your monolith into microservices so for example uh, if if you have for example like an e-commerce application uh, divide them into microservices like like a shopping cart service a user login service, etc., and uh, two, um, uh, as I mentioned, uh, containers really uh, allow you to leverage the underlying benefits of the cloud, right? So, uh, a database, a database here, uh, you can spin up, you can spin up cloud native uh, databases. For example, in AWS, we have our purpose-built databases. And basically, you can uh, you can leverage these databases as external data sources um, with with your microservices in your uh, in your in your container space. And uh, with Kubernetes, you can even do things like resource management ma management from inside Kubernetes. So you can actually create and manage AWS resources from inside your Kubernetes uh, cluster. Um, so. Um, uh, so containers are a good fit for a lot of uh, cloud native SaaS uh, SaaS applications. Yeah, you brought up a term actually we hear a lot associated with containers, and that is Kubernetes. Another term I hear a lot is is Docker. I mean, I think Docker used to refer to a popular brand of pants, but I think it's it means definitely means something else in the world of computing. Can you tell us what Kubernetes and Docker's are and how they all relate to containers? Uh, yeah, so for what Docker actually did to containers was uh, its innovation was kind of in the space of making tools and providing really a smoother developer experience for this ecosystem of containers so that it becomes a, uh, one, one of the mainline uh, platforms for, for the developers itself. So you're right, like back in 2013 and 14, initially uh, Docker kind of got popular, popular a lot, or maybe, or you can say containers technology started pop, getting more popular, but it wasn't the case that the containers weren't there. They were part of the Linux platform. Uh, many folks used to use it in the form of like LXCs or LXTs. But what Docker did back in 2013 was that it just built an ecosystem of tools around those container technologies and provided a smoother experience for the developers. So Docker is one of the containerization technology out there. Uh, it's not the only one. There are um, others you might kind of come in the industry, things like Rocket uh, or CoreOS. Uh, but Docker is primarily really, really popular among the developers. That's why it's one of the very common ones that you see. One going to the details on the technology itself, like it has uh, uh, different kind of tools and uh, platforms like Docker Engine being one tool that manages your containers. Uh, it has different uh, software packages format like Docker images where you can package up all the parts of your application, including the dependencies in form of an image, uh, and then deploy that across different environments. And it also provides a Docker CLI, which basically becomes the uh, in API through which you interact with the Docker Engine. Now, where orchestration tools comes up, like things like Kubernetes, and you mentioned Kubernetes as well, is it's easier to run a Docker container or a container on a on your laptop or a single container in a virtual machine uh, or any host for that per, per se. But when you think about deploying multiple 
types and multiple number of containers in a production environment at scale that might include hundreds or thousands of containers or application running, then you really have need a system which can help you manage those containers at scale and help you orchestrate those containers at scale. Think about how do you automatically scale them out or automatically scale them in? Or how do you figure out scheduling problems? Like how do you make sure that the containers are scheduled on instances which can which have the resources to host them? So all of these different uh, techniques and tools are kind of part of an orchestration system for containers. And that's where Kubernetes comes up. So Kubernetes has, um, again, it's not the only containerization uh, like orchestration platform out there. There are a few others like Docker Swarm being one by Docker. Uh, but since its inception and since being since it was made open source by Google back in 2014, uh, it has really, again, become the de facto containerization orchestration tool by the, by, uh, by the community in general. So it's also an open source project. Uh, it helps you manage those containerization or containers at scale uh, by really providing uh, tools to manage your cluster. But one of the uh, really big plus point of Kubernetes is the eco, the large ecosystem around it. So it's a project under CNCF, the Cloud Native Computing Foundation. And there are a lot of tools and there is a lot of ecosystem which has built around Kubernetes, providing it the support that it needs to actually help you run those applications in production. I was actually uh, uh, really, like I was reading one of the recent papers by CNCF and uh, one of an interesting fact came up that almost 96% of customers use Kubernetes or are at least evaluating and thinking of using them, using it in production. If I hear correctly, doc, both Docker and Kubernetes are one of multiple options for uh, running containers as well as orchestrating them, but it sounds like these two have become the most dominant or the the most popular choices now? Yeah, Docker and Kubernetes have become more of the de facto uh, popular choices, uh, but there are others which are in the market. Like I mentioned, Docker Swarm being one, it's, a, it's an open source container organization platform by Docker, and it is maintained by Docker as well. Uh, it's, it's relatively lightweight and simple to use if you compare it with Kubernetes. Um, it, you can easily get started. So if you have uh, some background and experience with Docker, you can easily get started with Docker Swarm as well. Uh, but still, I would say uh, functionality-wise, a little bit limited as to what Kubernetes can provide to you. Uh, it can across different uh, realms like scaling, automation, uh, monitoring capability. There are a few, there are definitely advantages uh, and the functionality is a bit limited. But typically, we see that if any customers are using Docker Swarm, it would be for simpler apps with fewer containers. At scale, uh, you mostly see customers moving towards Kubernetes. Wow, 96%, huh? Nikita, can you tell us a little bit more about Kubernetes? Yeah, sure. So um, now that we have established that uh, containers and microservices go uh, hand in hand, if you look at it from a 
from a production scale point of view you ha- you now have like hundreds of containers like copies of containers um running uh, running to serve your uh, application so in a production environment you definitely need some sort of system to manage um, ma- manage uh, manage them uh, you need some sort of system to have Uh, visibility uh, monitoring uh, scheduling pods etc so for example if a, if a container goes down another container needs to start and uh, this is where a container orchestration system uh, comes in and uh, kubernetes is one of the most uh, popular uh, container orchestration systems um, it was started out by google and it is an open source uh, system now um, it takes care of uh, it's essentially uh, built on a declarative system so basic so what that means is that uh, you tell kubernetes that these are the number of copies I, of of my service i want to be run uh, this these are the, this is the place i want i want them to be run like these are the instances i want them to be run and kubernetes um, handles that state uh, for you uh, it takes care of scaling and failover for your application it provides deployment patterns so for example you can do like rollback deployment canary deployment etc uh, you can also do resource management so um, uh, for example uh, if your containers if your applications need um, block storage if they need uh, if they need some uh, storage to be attached uh, managing those from kubernetes uh, etc okay so kubernetes is that sounds like stephly the dominant orchestration service but let's get let's talk specifically about AWS how can AWS make container orchestration easier Jamal do you want to take that Sure yeah um so um Nolan within AWS there are a couple of orchestration uh, systems that AWS provides uh one is Amazon ECS which is the elastic container service it's more of an opinionated aws uh, orchestrator uh, and the other one is uh, what we were talking about the kubernetes which uh, within aws we call it aws amazon eks elastic and uh, uh, kubernetes service it's a vanilla kubernetes uh, running within aws uh, and it gives you uh, an option of basically allowing Amazon to manage the control plane of Kubernetes for you, and then you can only focus on your own what what matters to you most, like running your own containers and running your own applications in the contain and containers, what we call as worker nodes within your own uh, AWS account. On ECS side, I like if if just to make it or compare it between the two services, I typically see that. ECS is relatively simpler to use it's much more closely integrated with AWS services and the AWS APIs so if customers who are coming from you know have traditional background on Amazon EC2 instances uh, and have good knowledge on Amazon uh, APIs it would be a relatively simpler migration or adoption of ECS in general however uh, with kubernetes it gives it's a Like it gives you that additional advantage of being um, vendor neutral, so you can use uh, an open source platform because it's a vanilla Kubernetes running on uh, Amazon EKS, uh, and then it gives you additional 
uh, help on the ecosystem it brings alongside, like the Kubernetes ecosystem that it is bringing alongside with it. And uh, just to uh, add to uh, add to that, um, I, what I want to say is that uh, so we are a we are a customer obsessed organization. So our main goal is always to make it easy for our customers to uh, adopt containers, build and uh, run containers on uh, AWS. Um, uh, so if you look at our portfolio, we have the broadest set of options to run your containers on uh, from self-managed EC2, uh, Kubernetes on EC2, or even Redshift on AWS uh, to EKS and EK. Uh, and ECS, the container orchestration platforms we have, all the way to serverless compute on Fargate, where all you have to do is just upload your containers and Fargate runs that uh, for you. So uh, so you can see that we have a broad range um, uh, for, for our customers. Um, and uh, we also enable our customers to run uh, secure containers. As we all know, security is the, uh, is the topmost priority uh, for AWS, for our uh, for our customers, uh, so AWS uh, it 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 always makes sure uh, to provide the latest security updates. It lets you set granular access permissions for every containers. Um, so, uh, for our customers who are familiar with running their applications on EC2 and uh, working with IAM like roles and federations, etc., you can do all of that in containers uh, in containers as well. And uh, uh, AWS container services are deeply integrated with our other AWS services by design. So to my earlier point where uh, uh, where if, if you want to port uh, a simple three-tier application with a database, uh, you can you can port that over to AWS, have your database on one of our like purpose-built databases that fits your need. And uh, and and our container management platforms, they are they are seamlessly integrated with these data platforms they are seamlessly also integrated with the front end ingress points you you would need like like your apis with api gateway or a point of ingress with our uh, with our load balancers and uh, um, uh, uh, by running your container applications on uh, aws um, you basically take advantage of the breadth and depth of AWS all the way from networking and security to even monitoring and uh, application visibility. That's awesome, Nitika. Um, I did hear about ECS and EKS that you mentioned and Jamal mentioned. Can you deep dive on the differences between ECS and EKS, Nikita? Yeah, sure. Um, so basically both ECS and ECS are Container orchestration platforms, uh, container orchestration systems, um, and uh, you you use them to uh, manage and uh, uh, manage and operate your applications, uh, containerized applications in a production environment. Uh, back in 2015, when a lot of our customers uh, came to us asking for an easier way to run containers on the cloud, we launched uh, ECS, but uh, we didn't really uh, stop there. So ECS is our um, is uh, built by AWS uh, to run and manage containers in the cloud. Um, but our innovation did not stop there uh, because we saw that a lot of our uh, customers are also uh, using Kubernetes to uh, run containers. And uh, we definitely uh, wanted to take away that undifferentiated heavy lifting of managing a Kubernetes uh, cluster uh, uh, away from our customers. 
so uh, in in 2018 we launched eks which is uh, which is managed kubernetes on aws uh, so uh, so ecs mainly it delivers an aws opinionated solution for running containers at scale and what i mean by aws opinionated opinionated solution is that it uses a lot of the underlying aws Uh, concepts like auto scaling or using um, or using lambda functions uh, as event triggers uh, etc and uh, it is designed for simplicity simplicity from the start so uh, for our customers who are already uh, who already have a lot of aws uh, expertise uh, uh, get onboarding on to ecs is is a, is a simpler learning curve um it also decreases the number of decisions our customers must make around compute networking security configurations because it uh, um, because again it works with a lot of like out of the box aws features like vpc networking iam uh, auto scaling um uh, fleet instances etc uh kubernetes on the other hand um as we discussed it is an open source container orchestration system and uh, our eks is a managed offering of kubernetes it is native upstream kubernetes but with eks um aws is doing all the uh, heavy lifting for you so we are taking care of the control plane we are making sure that it is highly available uh, resilient and uh, we are, we uh, we are taking care of the uh, of uh, of the key value data store called hcd which is a very critical component of uh, kubernetes uh, of kubernetes so uh, when it comes to choosing uh, choosing uh, between these two orchestrators uh, so our customers uh, they choose ecs for simplicity for its uh, for for familiarity with aws concepts uh, for its uh, opinionated and tighter integration with the services um, and in case of in case of uh, eks uh, teams choose it for its uh, vibrant ecosystem so as jamal mentioned uh, the whole cncf the cloud native uh, foundation we have it has a whole ecosystem of services and uh, tools built around kubernetes so we have service meshes we have ci cd tools um, uh, we have container uh, a container security uh, security tools etc built around uh, kubernetes and all of them they work on eks as well because it is native upstream uh, uh, kubernetes so eks pro- definitely provides the flexibility of kubernetes with the security and resiliency of being an aws uh, managed service okay that explains so if my customer tomorrow is looking for kubernetes uh, workloads and how to seamlessly use aws then probably eks is the way to go and is for the other orchestration platforms like docker docker swarm so is it ecs did i understand that correctly yes sort of um so you were right about the first part that if a customer wants to leverage kubernetes then eks is the way to go on the second part so docker swarm is also a container orchestrator just like ecs kubernetes etc um so 
so if our um, so if a customer wants to wants to migrate their uh, containerized workloads from docker swarm to aws ecs is definitely a good starting point uh, because of its simplicity and uh, um, and also its uh, integration integration with other aws services because kubernetes um, uh, kubernetes because it is it is an open source mature service and it has been around for a long time there is a steeper learning curve so ecs mm-hmm. is is definitely a good uh, a, a good gateway i would say for running your uh, uh, containers in production on aws so if i hear correctly if i'm brand new to containers and now i want to use containers sounds like ecs is probably friendlier or easier to use but if i've been using containers for years and i have some Kubernetes expert on my staff, then EKS might be the better choice for yes, orchestration. Yes. Okay. Yes, cool. for sure. And um, uh, and with the Fargate offering, uh, which is available with both ECS and EKS, uh, running containers is even simpler for you because um, along with the control plane, uh, which is managed by the by AWS uh, in both the cases, ECS as well as EKS, we are not even having to manage any uh, any of the data plane, any node groups, any underlying EC2 instances where your containers are running. So with Fargate, you are just uploading your containers, and Fargate is running it for you so you only pay for the uh, for the duration uh, for the duration your container runs and also for the memory it consumes okay well so far both you and jamal shared a lot of great info on containers um i want to kind of go back to the question i asked earlier earlier i gave the example of a you know traditional three-tier web application if a customer comes to you today and asking you hey should i be using containers what are what other things should they be considering? Or if I can ask the question another way, can you give some examples or scenarios where containers are actually might not be the best choice? I think what Nikita mentioned in the right in the start was that containers and modernization of your application, like building more microservices or service-oriented architectures, really go hand in hand. So currently you, you hear a lot about more modernized architecture where you, are, where you are breaking apart that huge monolith and making it into smaller microservices, which give you, uh, like, which give you a lot of different benefits. The way to kind of implement those are utilizing containers. So one of the things to really understand and and kind of think about why do you think about deploying containers is how your application uh, is built and what what are some of the things that you are doing to modernize your application architecture as well because if it, if you end up just running a huge monolith as a container instead of running it in the vm you're not utilizing the all the benefits that the containers bring towards you things like less overhead or increasing your portability or making more consistent operations across the different environments. All of those additional benefits that are part of the container technology also make, you have to think about how your applications are designed uh, and what methodology you you are trying to uh, use to break that monolith. Uh, Nikita made a very great point on different uh, ways to kind of create microservices. So one of the common patterns that we see is the strangler pattern where you start with 
initially a monolith, but you start breaking off one one part slowly from the legacy application. Uh, so for instance, uh, you have authentication built in in your monolith. You can initially maybe start off and break out, create a separate service for authentication. This is just kind of step one and so on and so forth you go uh, so that at the end you are just left with uh, your monolith becomes smaller and smaller and you slowly kind of strangle it out into different smaller microservices. So just think about those th that part, like how do you, what are, what's my, um, what, what's our development process looks like? How do we make sure that our we are breaking our monolith into smaller microservices so that we can really uh, make sure that we fully utilize the container as well. Second point that I would make would be on the operational uh, aspect of managing those containers. Containers have a lot of uh, benefits and we talked uh, at length about those, but then there is also additional operational uh, burden that you are getting. Uh, think, how do you monitor your containers now? Um, how do you make sure that they are secure? Uh, what is the different deployment methodologies of uh, your containerized technologies or containerized applications now? Uh, so think about those points as well as you move towards containers what uh, additional uh, what what are those specific points that would bring uh, part of your uh, development okay so obviously then if i had if i don't have need the benefits of a microservices architecture where i break a big application into multiple pieces then if i don't need that then that's probably the reason why containers might not not be a good fit i'm just putting it the other way around is that correct I would definitely say it's an entry pattern if you um, run a huge monolith as a container because it defeats the purpose of what uh, why, what a container is. Okay. Thanks, Jamal. Thanks, Jamal and Nikita. Before you go, where can our listeners go to if they wish to learn more about containers on AWS? You can go to uh, aws.amazon.com slash containers. And that is our uh, landing page for all things containers on AWS. Uh, it has different uh, customer case studies. It also has some uh, tutorials in the getting started uh, tab that that uh, that you can use to, uh, to do self-paced learning workshops and tutorials um, on containers. Thanks, Nikita. Well... That brings us to the end of the episode three, Containers in the Cloud. I really hope this episode has helped you rethink your strategy when it comes to choosing the right cloud architecture. Again, I'm your host, Malini Chatterjee. And I'm your host, Nolan Chen. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode learning about containers in AWS. Thank you, and please join us again next time.